around here over these last few weeks and last week of course brother Rigo preached and we certainly was glad to hear from him but we've kind of picked back up where we left off we've already discussed talked about the music ministry we addressed uh, the youth and the Sunday schools and tonight we want to kind of give place to the bus ministry and so tonight brother Josh is going to come and he of course is the uh, the head of the bus ministry he runs the bus ministry here at the church and so he's going to share with us concerning the bus ministry tonight. Again, I have no idea exactly what direction this will go, but they have all been good. I've enjoyed them all and look forward to tonight's as well. There's the bus ministry. Just about knocked the preacher off the stage. Success. That's the bus ministry for you. Hey, they're, they're a little crazy, but they have to be, right? Man, yes. Hey, we have a good time. We have fun. And uh, you have to. Man, we sing songs. We go crazy. Act a little weird every once in a while, but that's all right. Gives me a good excuse to do so. Brother Don, you know how that is. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 17 to start off tonight. I've been thinking about it for the last couple of weeks, thinking about what I would speak on uh, how I would come about or go about uh, speaking this evening on the bus ministry. And I kept going back to um, some specific stories. I kept going back to specific events that I could think about long before I was ever in charge of uh, the bus ministry here at Community Baptist Temple. And I kept going back to how it all began and where it started. And I'm thankful um, I know it's my mom. I'm thankful for her faithfulness throughout the years. And she got it all going, honestly, here at the church uh, in her, her minivan and was picking up some kids, neighborhood kids, 
I'm bringing them to church, and I'm thankful for that. Just a willingness to go out and pick up some children uh, around the block and bring them into church. Uh, but it got to the point where she was making multiple trips uh, with that little minivan, and she couldn't fit them all. It just it, it was it was becoming pretty difficult. It was hard on her. Uh, she wanted to do it more effectively, more efficiently. So she thought, well, why not get I don't know, 12 or 15 passenger van, I think is what it was. And you, just think of how many kids you could fit in one of them vans. And, and, hey, we've done that before. You know, every once in a while you're stuck with a van, so you got about 40 kids in one of them 15 passengers. Okay, no, we haven't done that. But still, you got to squeeze them in there. But before that ever happened, before that van ever came available, it was funny how that, that 15-passenger van was completely bypassed right to a bus. God said, hey, yeah, I know you're interested in that 15-passenger van, but think about how many kids you could fit on a bus. And there it began. God opened the doors. And since then, uh, we've had a bus ministry here at Community Baptist Temple. And I can't, I, I wish I could go back through all the records and see how many boys and girls have ridden Community Baptist Temple church buses come to this very church here and, and heard the gospel and the many souls that have been saved as a result of the bus ministry. I think of folks that are even here this evening as a result of the bus ministry. What a powerful, powerful outreach tool it is. I, I, I was also reminded of a, a special day for me. I, me, it was me, Mr. Harris, uh, Mr. James. We were getting ready to start a new route. And I was looking forward to this. Um, I was looking forward to bus number five. And I, I, that, I, I was on that bus from the very beginning. I was the runner on that bus. And I thought about the very first day. My mind kind of took me back to that first day on bus number five. And we're out there at our old building, and that bus would not start. I mean, we're looking for, we got, uh, we've got a number of buses. We're going to add a new one, and it's just going to be great. God's going to bless. The very first day, that bus it just would have nothing to do with it. It wouldn't start. We finally got it going. Thankfully, thankfully, buddy over here, he's good with that kind of stuff. Got the thing running, got it going. And so we thought, we are good to go. It's on. Bus number five. Let it begin. And so I'm fired up. I'm, I'm excited. I'm the runner, okay? So I run up to the doors. I get the kids, and I bring them onto the bus. And I took off out that door. Obviously, I was excited. So I mm, hit it. You know, just like a running back hits the hole. Um, they're just fast. I couldn't wait. And I hit the ground. And the next thing I knew, I'm looking up at the sky. What just happened? I remember looking at the ground, and it, it did. It was wet. It was kind of, there was some moisture on the ground, but it was cold enough. That was black ice. I hit the ground, and I was down. What a way to start bus number. Mr. Harris, Mr. James, they put me through concussion protocol, and I checked out. I made it. I was cleared, so I hit that door, and we're bringing the first rider on down, and what do you know? It's the first day. Everything's going to be smooth as soaked piece of cake, right? No. Smoke coming out from the hood. Smoke everywhere. What's going on? We had to take that bus back to the church. Just quit, throw in the towel, give up. No, 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 no. I can think about that bus uh, before I took off. I, I was excited. I, got, I kind of worked my way up the chain of command. 
and I was in charge of that bus before I took off for Bible college, and that bus that was that the devil wanted nothing to do with, he didn't want anything, he, he didn't like anything about it, because that bus was bringing in 40, 50, and 60 ch- kids to, to church every single Sunday. Those children were being saved. Their, the, the baptismal waters were stirred. The devil wants nothing to do with that. Listen, God loves the bus ministry, but we know Satan, he absolutely hates it. He wants nothing to do with it for good reason. Uh, again, I think of all the boys and the girls, the moms and dads, lives that have been changed as a result of the bus ministry. Again, as I mentioned, Acts chapter 17. I, I want to talk about the bus ministry today, obviously. Uh, this evening I'm going to talk about it. But I want to plant a burden. I want to help you see the need. There are, there are hundreds of boys and girls in our area that need Jesus Christ. They are lost and dying and on their way to a devil's hell. And it may be, it may be that bus that swings on by that completely flips their world upside down. Which one? Which one of those boys, which one of those girls? I can't pick up. I can't pick up one of those boys or one of those girls without thinking which one's going to be the next missionary's wife. Which one's going to be the next Charles Spurgeon? I think, I think those crazy things. I really do. And you know what? What's even crazier is the crazier the kid, the more I think that. The, they're wild. They're bouncing off the walls and they won't stay in their seat. They're getting kicked out of Sunday school class. Those are the ones I look at and I say, not that the good ones don't have a chance. Don't get me wrong. But they, those, those ones that are crazy, if you, you know, they can try your patience a little bit. But you know what? God can do something miraculous in that little heart, in that little life. We aren't wasting our time. I look at a man who is willing to give his all. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul here tonight. And I'm going to start in verse number 16 of Acts chapter 17. And before I read, let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. And Lord, I pray that you be with us here tonight. Father, we just have a a couple of minutes um, to dig into your word. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here tonight be moved by the example that was set forth here by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you have each and every one of us in a place spiritually to where our hearts are opened to exactly what you have for us. Lord, bless the service. Use the words that I say. Father, just fill me with your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, I need you and I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse number 16 of chapter 17 there in Acts, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell 
or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. He says, listen, got a whole bunch of gods here, but I'm talking to you about the one true God. I'm talking about the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the great I am. You know, that, that gold and that silver and the stone that you use to create those little G-gods. I'm talking about the God that created all of that. Big G-God. The God. The one and the only God. Verse number 16. I love it. Paul goes from town to town. He goes from city to city. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And whether they're going to receive it, whether they're going to say, get away, we want nothing to do with you, Paul, he stays faithful. Well, because of his last encounter, he kind of goes his own direction. He kind of goes a little earlier. He has some friends. He has some friends back in Thessalonica, and they're coming to meet him here in Athens. And it says, verse number 16, now while Paul waited for them, I think, and, and this is kind of, I guess, the title of my lesson, while we wait, while we wait. Waiting does not have to be a waste of time. When we wait, and that's what we're doing here. We're waiting on somebody, aren't we? There's someone coming for us. He's waiting for some friends. We're waiting for a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He told us, what does he say in John 14, verse 3? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Jesus, our friend, he's going to return and we're waiting for him. But we don't have to be wasting time. We can be productive as Paul was productive here. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was, number one, stirred. He was stirred. What stirs us today? Man, talk about a ministry, a powerful ministry, the bus ministry. And the many souls that are weighing in the balance. Are we stirred? I tell you, I'll be completely honest. One thing that stirred me just the other day, if you would have been in our house, in our home Saturday night, or around me and my wife when it came to the Ohio State-Penn State game, I'm an Ohio State fan, she's a Penn State fan, there, we were stirred up a little bit. We were pretty, we were high strung. We were pretty excited. And I don't hold back. And actually, Sarah doesn't hold back either. We're kind of going at each other. And again, for the second year in a row, there, the, there go the Buckeyes. One point. Come back. The come from behind victory. We beat them by one point. And I, I'm, a, I'm not a good loser, and quite frankly, I'm not a very good winner. I let her have it, so it was fun. And you know what? We can get stirred up about all kinds of things. We can get stirred about, we're Baptists here. We can get stirred up when, when Brother Kavanaugh starts talking about the taste of the nations, and we start listening or hearing about food, we get a little stirred up. What stirs you today? What stirs you I think, I think about the spring campaign just a few months ago. We made contact with this little, this little family, these little girls. And 
they actually made contact with us. We're walking down the street. They come bolting out of their house, never met him before. They came to the door. And listen, they were fired up. They wanted to go to church. And I said, listen, I want to take you to church. I want to bring you to church. But they're little girls, okay? So I had to be very careful. Let me talk to your mommy. Let me see your daddy. Okay, mommy's home. Mommy's home. We'll go get mommy. And she's upstairs. And mommy would not come down to talk to us. I was upset about that. I wanted those girls to ride our church bus. And so I said, well, listen, girls, I can't pick you up this week until I get permission from mommy, okay? And so I'll be back next week. I'll be here next Saturday to visit and let your mom know I'm coming back. I'll talk to her. We'll get you on the bus. I came back the next week, the following week, and she was home. She was there, but she would not come to that door. Mm. The girls come running to the door. I'm talking to the girls. I'm having a good time. Hey, where's mommy at? We want to get you on the church bus. We want to ride the church bus. We want to ride the church bus. I got to get permission from mommy. Where's mommy at? She's upstairs. We'll go get her. They go upstairs and they come back down. Mommy doesn't want to come downstairs. Mm, I'm mad now. I'm a little angry. Those girls want to ride the church bus. Those girls need Jesus. I'm getting frustrated. I'm upset. I come back the following week and the same thing happens for four weeks. Finally, the fourth week, I didn't I I didn't even knock on the door. I was driving by and I saw her pull in in the van and I did a U-turn. I just turned back around. Gotcha. She couldn't help it. You know what? It broke my heart. I found out why she didn't want to see me. Black and blue. You know what those girls had to deal with? You know what they go through? Why? Because there's no Jesus in that home. They need Jesus. And if they get on that church bus, they're going to find Jesus. And you think that's the only home like that here in Akron? No. They're everywhere. Little two and three year olds, four and five year olds. Little first and second graders, third and fourth graders. That's all they know. That stirs me. Just like the Apostle Paul. Now while Paul waited for them at, at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. That sounds like America today, doesn't it? When he saw, number two. Number one, he was stirred. He was stirred because he saw there in verse number 16. There's a problem. We see it. But let me give you this. Guess who else sees the problem? You know that the world sees that there's a problem today? Do you know that they're aware of the shortcomings in our society? Just go ahead, look it up. Jump on the internet. They'll tell you all about all the addictions. They'll give you statistics up to date. All the little boys and girls from 12 years old, even now now they're, they're saying it's starting around 9 years old. They're getting addicted to drugs. And, and they'll give you all the statistics. They'll tell you all the problems. They're completely aware of it. And they will come up with clever ideas to try to fix the problem. They're going to think of things. They're going to work on it. They're going to spend lots of money trying to figure it out. But they're going to leave out one major detail again. Jesus. Jesus. 
We are going to bring them Jesus. We have to go. God has called us to go. In what better way? We've got to get into the homes. What? We are losing the next generation. And what better way to get them back but through, in my opinion, the bus ministry. You see, they have all of the, the, the solutions. At least they think they do. They know what to do. They know what to say the world does to fix all the problems. And you know what? They even use biblical forms to tug at our heartstrings. Have you ever seen the commercials? Maybe a little dog. Maybe a little boy or girl. In the jungles of Africa, they show you picture after picture, video after video. Because what does it say in Lamentations? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51, I believe it is. 3, verse 51. Mine eye affecteth my heart. They're completely aware of this. They use biblical forms to try to get the point across. We need help. But listen, let me tell you right now, you come to me today. You come to me tonight and you say, listen, Josh, the check engine light just came on in my car. What do I do? And me being the, the great mechanic that I am, I said, well, let me take a look at this thing. I got it. I'll, t- I'll help you out. And Take me to the car. Let me listen to it. I'll tell you all about it. You turn it on. It's not quite right. I can tell it's not quite right. The check engine light is on. I said, I'll tell you what you do. This is what you do. And I pull out of my back pocket a piece of black tape. Slap it over the check engine light. Call it good. You won't see that check engine light ever again. While you can't see the check engine light, there's still a problem. And guess what we're doing in our society today? We're slapping band-aids on everything, and we're leaving out the solution to the problem, Jesus Christ, the one who left His perfect home in heaven to die for sinners like us. We have the good news, and there are boys and girls, there's mommies and daddies in need of Jesus. What are we going to do with him? He was stirred when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Number three, I like this. You see, we get through the first two points, and we're okay. We're, we're doing just fine. We, we, we're good with being stirred, and we see the need... This is when it gets tricky. Verse number 22. We already read these verses. I'll jump ahead. It says, Then Paul stood. Paul stood in the midst. So I'm fine, Josh. I'm good. I see the need. I'm stirred even. Some of the things that you've said, even the stories you've given, I'm ready to do something. But come time where, where the rubber meets the road. This is where those feelings are to be put to action. What are we going to do about it? Paul, he saw with his eyes and was stirred. And what was his next reaction? He took a stand. I will not stand for this. Listen, they might not all hear what I have to say. They might not all like what I have to say, but I'm going to preach Jesus. I have to. We have to. He stood. I like in Ezekiel, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks in my class, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I won't go there for sake of time. It says, God's looking for a man. And I'm paraphrasing here. God's looking for a man who will make up the hedge, will stand in the gap. 
We need some men. We need some women today that are going to take a stand. We've got to be willing to stand. And I like this phrase that's also mentioned in the verse, among them. What do we see in in, uh, Acts, in our portion of Scripture there, our passage in 22? And Paul stood in the midst. Let's jump over to Acts. Look at this really quick. We're right there. Acts 18. And I'm going to read verse number 9 through verse 11. It says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Acts 18, verse 9. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. This verse here, listen now. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching them the word of God among them. Among them. So what's this saying? We literally have to reach down to where they are and go get them. We've got to get to where... No, I don't have to be like them. I don't have to live like the world to reach the world. I don't have to act like the world to reach the world. I don't have to talk like the world. I don't have to listen to the world's music to reach the world. I just got to take Jesus with me. I've got to go down and get him. Aren't you thankful? I'm thankful for that song that we heard on Sunday morning. When the Savior reached down for me. I've got to get to the point, the place in my life where I believe in my heart of hearts that Jesus had to reach just as far for me as any stinky, smelly little bus kid that we've ever picked up at Community Baptist Temple through our bus ministry. Jesus had to reach way down for me. Jesus had to reach way down for you. I'm thankful that he reached down for me. I remember a few years ago, along these lines, on this thought process here, uh, we were on a camping trip, and I was with a guy, and I'm going to go quick for sake of time, but I was with this guy, we're walking upstream. We were in this river, okay, and we're walking upstream, and it was fun. We saw snakes along the way, there were guys almost drowning along the way, having fun. No, I mean, it was, it was a fun trip, it was exciting, we were in the hills of West Virginia, we were in the, the caves, having a good old time. And we got towards the end here where we could see off in the distance, just me and this other guy walking, and we could see a waterfall. Okay? And where this waterfall was, just above the waterfall, was a little bridge. And so we were standing under this bridge. We finally got there, and this guy had the... Obviously, everyone, when you get to a waterfall, you kind of just naturally want to stand under it, right? It's kind of what you want to do. At least that's what I wanted to do. Except he beat me to it, thankfully, because he took one step out, and was gone. And I was like, oh boy, this is not good. He's gone. I can't see him. And all I could do, and I remember I'm thinking, whoa, this is not good. I held onto the pillar and kind of with my eyes closed, reached down and he grabbed a hold of my hand and I pulled him up. That, that, the current down, it just sucked him under. He was gone. We didn't realize. I mean, we were in water, yay deep, and then out of nowhere, he just went under. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm thinking about this lesson, this topic, what if I just happened to be on the sidelines, there on the corner of the stream, and he goes under? Come on, you got this. You're good. Swim. 
He's done. He's gone. I literally had to be there and pull him up. And listen to what I'm telling you. We've got a lot of Christians on the sideline. I love the bus ministry. Go get them. You want to be a bus captain? <laughs> you want to work in the bus ministry? I just don't. I love the, And don't get me wrong. I get it. We're busy. But I believe. I believe that there are some folks in this room right here, right now. You have some availability. You could work in the bus ministry. You could give up some time. And there is a need. A need for some some adults to step up and say, I'm going to reach on down and help some of those little boys and girls. They're dying. The devil's winning today. He's getting the victory. I've got to reach on down and get him. And I know it's not in our strength and it's not in our power. We go in the power of Jesus Christ. But he has called us to go. He stood. And then finally, in that same verse, verse number 22 in closing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said. This is the tough part. Some of us aren't as comfortable Doing the speaking. He spoke. Number four. He stood and he forespoke. What do I say? I, I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what I'll say when I get out at the door. When I'm, maybe those, those Sunday school kids will ask a question that I just can't answer. We need some Christians today. We need some men and women that are going to tell some boys and girls, I love you. Jesus loves you. For the Bible says so. For God so loved the world. That word loved, they don't hear it. They don't hear it at home. They don't see it demonstrated at home. The only time, whether they're acting out or they're being kind and gentle, the only time that they see love most often is the short time that they're here. In this church and on our church buses. Let's speak. Let's be bold. Let them know. There we saw it a moment ago in verse number 9 of chapter 18. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. We've got to be bold with this book. We've got to be bold with the Bible and what it has told us, what we are aware of. We've got to speak. We've got to let them know. We've got to let the world know that Jesus loves us. Never forget that Jesus had to reach down just as far for you as he did for any boy or girl on our bus routes. Does the thought, does the thought of Jesus reaching down for you, does the thought of that day, that moment when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you realized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, does that thought stir you anymore? Does it do anything for you anymore? Jesus loves us. God gave us so much. What are we now going to give in return. I think of the song here. The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast. The crossing I could never afford. 
From where I was to his domain, it seems so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to his side, where today, in sweet love, I now abide. He came to me. Oh, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died. On Calvary, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Does that do anything for us today? Does that stir us? Does that drive us to do something about our sinful, wicked society? The devil is winning. But what are we going to do about it? Remembering now that we are on the winning side with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I'll close with this story. It was a story of a little boy. And he heard about a preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He was coming to town. Oh boy, I know about that preacher. I've heard, I've read some of his books. What a man of God. And this boy said, this is a man of God. I want to hear him preach. And he walks for miles. He walks for miles to hear Charles Spurgeon preach. Only to get to the church building and find that there were men standing at each door on the exterior of this building, keeping people from getting in. Why? Because there's a lot of people that want to hear Charles Spurgeon. And the building was already full to overflowing. There was no more room inside. And that man at the door had to tell the little boy, Sorry, bud, you just can't get in today. There's no room. And he said, You don't understand, sir. I walked for miles just to get here to hear the best preacher in all the world. Can't you let me inside? Sorry, son, I have my orders. I can't let you in. Obviously heartbroken, distraught, just so disappointed that he didn't get to hear Mr. Spurgeon preach. He just kind of curled up at the corner of the building, sat there, folded his arms, and with a tear in his eye, was just upset, disappointed. And at that moment, a man come walking down, down the side of that church building, looked down at that little boy and said, Hey, bud, what are you doing? Oh, mister, you don't understand. I've walked for miles to hear the greatest preacher in all the world, Charles Spurgeon. There's not even enough room for me to get inside. Little did he know this man happened to be Charles Spurgeon. And he said, Bud, go ahead, stand up. I tell you what you do. You hold on to my coattail. You follow me. I'll get you in there. You really think you could? Follow me. And there he took him. And the man standing at the door with a smile on his face opened up the door. And as they opened that door, I'm telling you, it was just bursting at the seams. There was tons of people inside. But they cleared a small path for Mr. Spurgeon and that little boy. They walked through that big crowd, down through that large auditorium, all the way through the auditorium, right up the steps onto the stage. And there that boy stood scanning the crowd as it was full to overflowing. And he went, wow, this is amazing. 
Mister? When is Mr. Spurgeon getting here? And that little, or I'm sorry, that little boy looking up, Mr. Spurgeon looked down and said, I'm Mr. Spurgeon. And you are here today on this stage as my honored guest. You know, there's a lot of boys and girls out there that have no way to get to church. They have no way of getting into the house of God under the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're waiting on someone to bring them. But as I thought about that story, I took it a step farther and thought, again, how He came to me. Where would I be in my sin? We look at these boys and girls. Sometimes they don't dress the best. Sometimes they don't smell the greatest, and they don't have the best attitude. But Jesus loves them. You know what? Sometimes I don't smell so good. Sometimes my attitude isn't the greatest. But Jesus loves me anyway. Jesus loves us today. And I hope we can learn from the Apostle Paul when we look at a simple, wicked society and be stirred by what we see and be willing now to do something about it. Father, we come to you. And Lord, we are so thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, we are so thankful that you are willing to leave your perfect home in heaven to die on a cross to save me from my sins. Lord, I am a sinner, and I am deserving a place called hell. Lord, I'm thankful for that free gift of salvation. Lord, there are so many boys and girls in this city of Akron that are in need of that free gift of salvation. I pray that you put it on our hearts as members of Community Baptist Temple to be willing to give of ourselves to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, please speak to us. Move now in Jesus' name I pray.